You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. I am on a Skype call right now with James Patrick, published photographer out in Arizona. So, hey, James. Hey, Jordan. How are you doing today? Good. I love your Howard Stern voice. Your fancy microphone makes you sound very legit. Oh, Big thank fan. you so much. Well, I, the the swing arm is, is what does all the work for yeah, me. Yeah, you look very legit on this video call. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do and what your business entails out there in Arizona. Absolutely. Well, first off, appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Like, I love your message about doing what you want because what we're running into is a situation where so many individuals have these amazing aspirations. I want to become a photographer. I want to be an artist. I want to be an illustrator. And and it's this like you cannot extinguish this fire, but they're not sure the steps they need to be taking mm-hmm. and in what order. Or they're just afraid that if they take a wrong step, it's not going to turn out right and there's no turning back. And that's not necessarily the case. So the fact that you have this podcast about doing what you want, like is giving people license to actually step into it. So I want to give you just a huge vote of thanks for, for putting a show like this together. Thanks. Well, and you have a podcast of your own, too, don't you? Yeah, I've been, you know, it's interesting because I got into podcasting um, and and I'll get to your question about my background. I got into podcasting like eight years ago by sheer chance where I was working on a project in Vegas and I was picking up my assistant at his house and we were hitting the road for Vegas uh, because we were going to be working there for a week. And he jumps in my car and he looks at me and says, we should start a podcast. And I'm like, all right. What is a podcast? And that that literally, so we spent, you know, the five hours between Phoenix, Arizona and uh, Vegas Googling how to start a podcast, what equipment we needed, uh, how to put it together. And by the time we had gotten to Vegas, we had already ordered everything off Amazon. It was being <laughs> shipped to us. And when we got back to Arizona a week later, we had all the materials to start doing a podcast. And I was like, OK, now what are we going to talk about? So, uh you know, and I've been doing it ever since then, and I, I love it. It's 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 amazing to see how it has grown exponentially. But my entry into podcasting has is so similar to my entry into most things in life, mm-hmm. like my entry into being a photographer. My plan was not to be a photographer. That was never on my trajectory. It was mm-hmm. not on my the only time it even popped up on my radar as a little blip was when I came across like my father had this amazing uh, steel body Canon AE-135 millimeter camera. He wasn't a photographer. He just happened to own this thing. And I found it one day. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to take photos. And and he he he, he warned me, he says, you know, that's an expensive hobby, son. It's like, OK, <laughs> I'll back to writing because I was a writer and I, I did what I, I assume would be the most appropriate trajectory for a writer to take, which is I became a journalist. Mm -hmm. And I was studying journalism in college. I was working as a journalist. I was a beat reporter, which I did not like being a beat reporter. And for those who are not familiar with what a beat reporter is, a beat reporter is you get assigned to a beat and you just have to cover that beat every single issue of of the publication. For me, uh, the beat I was covering, it bounced around, but I had to cover like a county board of supervisors meeting every week. That was that was a really boring Very beat. Very riveting. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was just like my whole my whole like goal with it was to get my assignment done within 60 minutes of walking out of the meeting. Like I was that just I it just 
depressing me that much. Um, <clears throat> I worked uh, a beat as a reporter in, of all places, Tombstone, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, covering town hall meetings in Tombstone, Arizona. Never fun, although sometimes sometimes curiously interesting. Uh, maybe another podcast. But <laughs> I was also a beat reporter covering an arts and entertainment section. And um, a little more interesting because I got to write fluffier pieces. But it's still... It, I liked writing, but it wasn't resonating with me. And one day I'm working late in the newspaper office and my editor is about to send me out an assignment to go interview uh, this orchestra conductor. And he says, by the way, we don't have any staff photographers left in the office to go with you. Can you take this staff camera and go take a photo to go along with your article? And for me, it was yeah, fine. Like that doubles my paycheck because now I have two bylines versus one. Yeah. Okay. And 19 year old James, I'm like, whatever that's fine and he hands me this camera and i start to walk out the door he's like time out do you know how to use a camera it's like no no i I have never taken a photo but i'll figure it out on off right and he's just kind of sigh okay fine um it was bad it did not look good i had no idea what i was doing but what i found interesting was that oh my gosh now I'm controlling more of the conversation because it used to be when I write an article, I was at the mercy of the art that went with that article or how the editor chose to lay that article out. You know, how many words they were giving me. Like I'd rather have a 1200 piece word versus a 500 piece word, for example. And now all of a sudden I'm controlling another component of how this story is being communicated. And that, that became addicting to me. And so all of a sudden I wanted to learn how to take more photos to go with my articles, but it was a, you see, this was a supplement thing. This was Mm -hmm. not, this was not my primary focus until it was forced to become my primary focus. I, uh, when I started working for the newspaper in Tombstone, the publisher of the paper, who was also a one of my college professors, uh, he would not accept any future for me other than being a photographer. And now, granted, Jordan, maybe he didn't like my writing. I don't know. That, <laughs> that, that part's unclear. I'm not sure. But he pushed me and he put me to be a staff photographer versus a staff writer. I think it was after two issues of the of the newspaper, maybe three, I transitioned over to the photo team versus the the staff writer team. And then a few months later, I was then promoted to be the photo editor of the newspaper. And then a few months after that, I became the photo editor of a startup magazine. And then um, at that point, I, I was bit by the bug. I was addicted to being a photographer and building my portfolio and getting clients. But then came graduation from college, and what I did was I took what I assumed to be the safe job. Mm -hmm. The safe job was a job in marketing with the 401k, with the full benefits, with the, the great salary, like I took that job. But while working that job for seven years, I was still obsessed with my photo career. I was still building my photo career. I'm still building my book, developing my style, getting in front of clients, learning what to do and what not to do. And it got to a point where I was working two full-time jobs because every time, yes, every time I had five minutes of free time, I was calling a client to sell photo services. If if I accrued eight hours of vacation time, I took a vacation day. Yes. That's what I used to do. <laughs> and it, it, it just got to a point like seven years. And I said, no, I have to make this leap. Now, 
that seven years just so happened to be at the bottom of the recession. Mm. But I still made that leap and it and it turned out beautifully since then. But just like podcasting, this was not the plan. It was something that was in front of me that I'm like, I was curious enough and I had to pursue it. I think that is a big theme with creative entrepreneurs is to just remain open to what might be thrown at you because you don't know what you might like until you do it. Like for me, I always talk about this, but I graduated in photography and it was like fine art photography in college. Mm -hmm. And then you graduate and everyone's like, oh no, how do we make money? So everyone starts doing senior pictures and baby pictures, whatever, because you can't just like graduate and go straight to like gallery life and then make a a bunch of money to sustain yourself. So then I was kind of doing everything and I dabbled in weddings, hated it, but I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Everyone Mm -hmm. says you should do weddings, so you do it. So then you know, it opens up the doors to like, well, maybe I'll like doing music photography, which I end up loving to do. And maybe I'll like doing event photography, which I end up liking to do. But you don't know until you kind of start doing it. And then you also find out what you don't like to do. So like I did a couple weddings and was like, this is the worst. Please make it stop. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped. But then it turned into like blogging and social media marketing and then now a podcast. And you never know. And I don't know what's next. But if you are so one track minded with what you're doing, you'll never get to see what else is out there. You bring up such an important point, which is the distinction between doing what you love versus doing what you think you have to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I did the the latter first, which is I need to get as many clients as I can across any industry I can because that like if they're going to offer me money to take photos, I have to take photos. And I can't say no to anything which I learned, don't do that. Uh, I can't say no to anything and I have to say yes to whatever, even if, even if it, it like depletes my soul to do Mm -hmm. it. And I was photographing everything. Oh, you want family portraits done. Mm -hmm. You want me to photograph this event done. Got it. This fundraiser. Yeah. You got it. Fashion, uh, headshots, you know, you, if it, whatever was out there that could been photographed, I was taking a photo of it, but here was the problem with that. And here's how I almost lost my photo business was when I did everything, I was known for nothing. Mm -hmm. I specialized in nothing. There was no reason to remember my work. My work was not memorable. I remember this was, oh gosh, I can't even remember how many years ago this was. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. At some point early in my career, I had a career, but I was noticing I was losing all my clients almost all of them because they were going out of business. The recession had just started. I'm going out of business and I'm looking at, I'm like, well, thank God I still have my marketing job. And maybe this photography thing was just a fun hobby. You know, maybe the last umpteen years that I've been doing this, you know, that was, it was a cute thing I did in college and, you know, uh, you know, a couple years after college, but thank God I have this marketing job because this is quote unquote real work. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember I was pitching myself to a photo agency and he was looking at my website and he said, what do you love to shoot? And uh, for me, it was an unequivocal answer. I like working with athletes. I love photographing athletes. And he says, then why is architecture on your website? I'm like, well, because sometimes I get hired to shoot architecture. I can like, do it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, yes. It was like, what about events? Do you like shooting events? I'm like, no, I hate shooting events. Like, I hate it. It bothers me every time. He's like, why is it on your website? I'm like, sometimes I get hired. He says, no, I want you to go in tonight and erase two-thirds of your galleries. Erase them. Get rid of them. I says, are you crazy? He says, trust me. And I did. I erased two-thirds of my gallery, and I got focused. And then I looked at him like, wait a second. What if I really gave this a 
gave this one last push. What if I got really focused on doing what I love to do in this industry versus doing what I think I need to do in mm-hmm. this industry? And for me, that was working with athletes. It was working in the, in the health industry. It was working in the fitness industry. And when I started to get focused on that, I started to develop a style around that, how I, how I photographed that what it looked like, how I lit that, how I, how, what, what the photos felt like, mm-hmm. what the energy was, what the, what the colors were. Okay. Everything became intentional in that work. And when that happened, I became very aggressive in who I was pursuing as a client, because now I know if I'm doing this, it's very clear who the clients are. It's very clear who these magazines are. It's very clear who these commercial companies are. And now I'm very clear on who I can approach and it just took off. And that right there, that shift is what saved me from putting my camera up on a shelf and never taking another photo again, except for fun, to running a thriving photo business. It was it was getting that focus. So do you find that by doing that and having a niche and then kind of like hustling within that niche has helped you to still expand out of that? Because I do see that you do work in commercial work and in other types of photography as well but it's more honed down now than probably than when you started but did you find that just kind of focusing on that one genre of photography has helped you to kind of like find a foothold there and then umbrella back out here's the amazing thing about it which is i get hired for stuff all over the place i still get hired to shoot architecture you will mm-hmm. not find architecture on my website it's not on my website i mean maybe one or two like in a commercial gallery mm-hmm. um but i what I will have is I, I do have an, an entire PDF booklet of my architecture work or of my commercial work or of my product work. It's not on my website, though. My website is focused right. because when people go to my website, I want them to know this is what you are here for. And people are afraid to do that because the feeling is that if I say I specialize in this, people won't hire me for that. That's not necessarily the case. What's going to happen is two things. One, you're going to thrive in what you say you specialize in because you specialize in it. Like when I go up against like a bunch of well, I'm going to use the term average Joe's not not indicating that they're average in the quality of the work. But right. let's just say they're average in the work that they specialize in. OK, they don't specialize in anything. They're across the board mm-hmm. and I'm campaigning against them for a health and fitness project. You're going to win. But if I were to campaign against like I'll, I'll use I'll use another example, let's say uh, food photography. If I go up against someone who specializes in food photography to shoot a restaurant ad campaign, I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. Why would they hire me? I don't specialize in it. Mm-hmm. OK, so a is that's the first thing that happens is you start to get the projects that you specialize in. And then for the other stuff, when you have amazing relationships and people like you and want to work with you and trust you, they're going to ask by the way, could you do this other stuff? And that's on you then to be honest with them because there are certain things I will not take. Despite what the money is, I will not take it because I'm not the photographer for it and I Mm -hmm. do my client a disservice. I ruin that relationship by taking that paycheck. And I would much rather, like I had one of my top clients reach out to me a couple months ago to say, hey James, uh, we are doing this still life product shoot. we know you mainly do portrait work for us. Is this something that you're able to do? And the answer is yes, but here's two other photographers I'd recommend ahead of me. It'd be better use of your money and it'd be more genuine and they would be over the moon to do it. No, that's how you're going to be. Weddings. Yeah. 
you're going to be happier with these other photographers. Yeah, that's how I feel about weddings. Like, I just didn't feel genuine when I was there. I felt, like, fake. I hated my life. I hated the photos. I would much rather refer you to 10 people who live for that, who will be happy to be there, yep. besides me in the corner, like, wanting to cry because I just want to leave so bad. <laughs> yeah, the photos you, might turn out okay, but, like, that doesn't do anybody any good. And the money, honestly, isn't always the, <laughs> the no, point. No, it, it's, it's not, because whatever the money is you will always figure it is not worth the time mm -hmm. and the dissatisfaction of having to do the project. Right. Like, and I, I've been there. I, I took a project, the, literally the last event I ever photographed, because for me, events are the worst. Any type of event, I do not want to be there taking photos. <laughs> so the last event I got hired to photograph, it was, this was at least 10 years ago. And I didn't want to do it alone because to me doing it alone would have been way worse. So I hired my best friend who's a photographer to shoot it with me and I split the money with him. Okay. I was like, at least, at least I have my friend there. Mm -hmm. And we had the most amazing experience where it's not amazing at all. It's actually, I still have nightmares about it. Um, so it was a multi-day event. And at the end of each day, we had to turn our memory cards in so they could download the files. And this this company took over an entire resort. So they had this whole media room set up. And me and this other photographer, we'd go in, we'd hand over our cards. At the end of the day, they download the cards. And the next morning, we'd go pick up our cards so we could shoot that day. And after the first day, we go in the next morning to pick up our cards. And the the guy who's looking through all the photos from this company. He's not the person who hired me though, because the person who hired me, I believe hired me for my eye. I believe hired me for my vision of what I, I, how I wanted to depict this event. And, uh, he was not that person. He did not believe in art. So, uh, he, he, he's like, we have to talk. I'm like, okay. He says, I have to show you the photos that I don't want to see again. And, and me and my friend are looking, okay, uh, apparently we messed up yesterday a little bit. And, and he brings up a photo on the screen, and of course it's one of mine. And he says, do you see this photo of this wine glass in the foreground where you have this fire in the background? And, you know, uh, then the sun sets even further beyond that. And I was like, and I was proud of it. I'm like, yeah, th this, is, this has to be one of the ones he likes. He says, I cannot use this. Don't take this photo again. Oh, okay. He says, okay, you see this photo where you have these two people and you have this tree kind of framing them here and, you know, the sunset's still behind him. I says, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, this is the exact opposite. This is what he wants. He says, I can't use this. Don't take this photo again. <laughs> and, and so my friend is laughing his ass off because they're all my photos. He's just bringing up photo after photo after photo. I cannot use this. And it's like, how I would like I'm trying to be so artistic to make this interesting to make this mm -hmm. and the, all the foes he wanted are just two people standing side by side smiling that's it just just like cell phone you know just I like hate that quick so much. and that that's all he wanted and so the rest of the, the rest of this project that's all I was able to shoot and it was just like killing me and I, I literally looked at my friend who still was laughing the entire weekend because the guy who was saying it had this really thick accent and we just kept going back to the expression, this I cannot use, this I cannot use. And every time I'd put the camera to my eye, my friend would lean in and he says, this I cannot use. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, you're right. You're right, I'm not gonna take this photo. And it was the last time I ever photographed an event. Well, those are the situations that always blow my mind because I'm like you, for me, every time I pick up my camera and I get hired for something, I am expecting to get the next best shot I've ever taken in my life. Like I go out, into the world every time hoping that I can raise the bar more versus whatever mm -hmm. else I've done because that's just 
what it's like to be creative. And sometimes these these jobs are just like so much less than what you're expecting. So like we're trying so hard to make it like this amazing, compelling thing. And sometimes you're just working with what's there and they really just want you to document what's there. And it's so soul crushing because you're just like, really, that's it. And then it almost makes it easy. But then you're like, this is what's the point of doing this? It's, It's it's such an interesting balance because as an artist, you are, you are uh, beholden to your client and what your client needs. Mm -hmm. So you have to be so careful about the work you take and that's one of the reasons like most of my work is magazine work. I do lots of magazine work. Now, magazine work, they're going to give me creative license, lots of creative license because my name goes next to the photo. Mm-hmm. And I've had incidences where like I'm working with the magazine and we have a strong disagreement about what should be running in this publication. Uh, and I have been known to put my foot down to say, no, I cannot release this image this is not up to my standards this is not this is not what i i won't i wouldn't want my name on this and you should not want your publication's name on this like this is the better option for us now when i have a good relationship with an art director or photo editor that's a much easier conversation Mm -hmm. if it's the first time around it's way more delicate obviously it's way more delicate and you're trying to do what you can to make them happy right but the whole essence of shooting for magazines is they want your creativity. They want you to be also a problem solver because, you know, I work with lots of professional athletes or um, we'll, we'll just say like sea level celebrities. And <laughs> it's amazing the, the little issues or mishaps that will come up via publicists or conflicting schedules or you know, they show up three hours late and they only have five minutes, but you still have to make a photo that's mm-hmm. still your job. Uh, so what can you do creatively quickly? But then also like the thing that I really tout when I go to sell myself, to push myself to clients is like, you give me five minutes, I'm going to make you a shot because I'm going to get something out of that person like that they didn't know was possible. And there are photographers who are very technically inclined who, you know, it's, it, it's funny when I, I'll, every now and then I'll teach a lighting workshop but even when I teach lighting workshops, like I'm like, well, I want a lot of light, so I'm going to pump this up a little bit, or I want it softer, so I'm going to use a bigger modifier. Like, and someone's like, well, let's talk about the inverse square law, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, uh, or I, I'm just going to move it a little bit. Like, you know, it's just right. like you, you mm, I just I just want to feather this a little you bit. Go. That's all photography really is. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> and yeah. so, um, so there's that side of it, but like for my side of it is like. I don't I, I could not care what the what the technique is or what the technology is like I posted something on my Instagram last week I said what is the number one challenge you have right now and a photographer comment says I don't have the right equipment to make my photos and I said not true I said focus like I started with a yeah, grab an <laughs> iPhone old, make it yeah. happen <laughs> I, I could afford it I spent $300 and I got a advanced compact digital camera it was six or like five megapixels some five or six megapixels um just had a fixed lens on it and that's all i had and i made it work and i built a career off that camera and and then earned enough money to buy my next camera then my next camera then my first light like focus on your vision focus on your style focus on what you see and create that way like i'd rather like i use the example of professional athletes if i have 15 minutes with a professional athlete 
and that athlete walks on set and he's not comfortable, I am not going to take his photo for 15 minutes. I will not. I will spend as much time as I need talking to him, getting him to feel comfortable, getting him to feel like we're going to have the best time ever. And if that takes 14 minutes, then I'm going to take one minute of amazing photos as opposed to 15 minutes of mediocre photos. I um, I like what you said about the equipment thing because I always use the metaphor. My boyfriend is a really talented guitar player and I play guitar but that's how we kind of met but I play like very bottom level like Taylor Swift like chords like I'm not like Mm. shredding he was the lead guitarist like in a metal band so he can shred but we always talk about like people love to DM me be like what kind of camera do you use I'm gonna buy it like or like oh my camera doesn't take as good as photos of you and I always like bring it to like well my boyfriend can shred guitar on a toy guitar but if I go Mm -hmm. buy the $10,000 $10,000 guitar that he wants like does it, it's not gonna make me play my chords any better like you know it's the same difference like it's all about the person and and the skill and sometimes you just learn it on the cheapest thing you can get your, your so, hands on there's there's three things I want to say to that and hopefully I remember all three uh the first is um Okay, I will remember all three. We're gonna we're gonna use my active short term memory here. All right. So the first is when I got the money to buy a real digital camera, and for me, like, because I had a digital camera, it was like this five to six megapixels advanced. Com- I remember it was a Sony CyberShot. I remember that. Oh, I had one of those. And uh, it looked like it looked like a big L. Like the lens was on one side, and then the body was on the other side, and the lens kind of tilted up and down. Um, that was that cost me a few hundred bucks but when i finally earned enough money to buy my first real digital slr camera it was the canon 20d okay uh so it was their second kind of prosumer model after the 10d and i i spent my entire savings on it and i was so excited when it came in the mail and i got it and i and i went to take a photo with it and i looked at the phone like this doesn't look good like I thought, I thought this would look so much better. This doesn't look good. And what what I realized was that you know I learned so much on shooting with this Sony that I had like kind of hacked my way through kind of shooting on this crappy camera to make the photos I wanted. And now I have something, and I have to start over. I have to learn how mm-hmm. to use this camera. It's not making my photos better. And eventually, I did learn to use it, but it was so much different. So like once again, like your technology does not make your does not does not make your your work um a few years later when i was working as a photo editor for a magazine i uh i put a call out for new photographers just new photographers looking for a chance to get some published work we for we did not have lots of money but we'll just say low pay and this one person applied and sent me her portfolio and it was like it took my breath away her portfolio photos from all these different countries she had traveled the world and i mean just so much heart and emotion like there would be emotion in an empty uh rugby field in her photos there was emotion in a footprint in mud like emotion in these images and it was just like i like i remember i saved them for years because i would keep looking at these photos like wow these are me so when i met with her i i had asked her i says oh by the way what do you shoot with just in passing she's like oh i don't have a camera I'm like, what did you take all these photos with? She's like, oh, those were just disposable cameras. I was like, you took these photos with disposable cameras. She said, yeah, just like the little ones at like Walgreens and stuff. I'm like, 
all right, you're hired. Like that, that was, I was like, you're a, you're hired, and B, I'm going to show you how to take photos. Like I'm going to, well, not show you how to take, but I'm going to show right, you how to use a camera. Yeah, use a camera because we have a staff camera. I'm going to teach you how to use it, and you're going to use it because you're going to be my lead photographer, like without question. And we worked together for years. Uh, and the third thing I, was, I love that you had brought up that you and your you and your boyfriend play guitar because I literally just started learning to play guitar like a month and a half ago. And last night I had my my lesson. My instructor was showing me all the different types of guitar picks you could have. And mm -hmm. I was such an idiot. I'm like, wait, there's more than one. Right. <laughs> like but that's, that's, exactly, that's how dumb I was. No, but that's it's the same thing with cameras and lenses and stuff, because in college we never talked about lenses. I don't know why I just had what I had. So I was like, I'm good at what I do. This is what I use. And like I was so naive. And then I graduated and I was like, oh, man, there's like different millimeters and that has to do with the length and the photo and the the weight and ne it totally it never occurred to me which was almost kind of like blissful to be that ignorant because i was just using the one thing i had and doing what i could and you know what i think it is I, <laughs> I think it's um it's when when photographers talk about gear i'm going to put it akin to people who talk about the weather it's like <laughs> let's i don't like it's it it scares me to ask a real question like how the hell did you land your first client what was the biggest obstacle you overcame in your career um like tell me about a situation that that was difficult but you broke through it or tell me about one of the biggest wins you've had in your career or where do you source your inspiration like those are big questions and they're scary for people to ask and they're scary for people to think about conceptually so instead what we'll do is we'll say what do you shoot with <laughs> What do you what do you take photos with? Yeah. Oh, what what what, type, what sort of gear do you use? And it's just like it it it's I, I feel like we're 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 doing ourselves a disservice when we ask questions like that. When mm -hmm. I get questions like that, I I, I just want to say no, wrong question. Um, it it reminds me of uh, my high school math teacher who, uh, uh, totally off topic story. Um, I was. For some reason, when I was in high school, I was really good at math. Don't know why. And so I was in this extreme accelerated math program in high school. And uh, I'm, I'm in class one day and someone sitting next to me who was also a math savant, just happened to be a cheerleader on our, on, on our, uh, at our high school, asked a question. It was not a good question. Whatever she asked was like, you should know the answer to this question. And I and someone else may have snickered at her and made a comment in, in that in that like. And she says, no, there are no such thing as dumb questions. Isn't that right? And she looked at the teacher for affirmation. Like, isn't that right? There are no such thing as dumb questions. And the teacher, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't get fired for this. He, today he would have been fired for this. He just kind of <laughs> sighed and he says, you're right. There's just dumb people. And I was... <laughs> <laughs> so I every now and then I, I teach uh, high school students and, and we do this big, big workshop here in Arizona. There's like eight photographers that get involved every year and we all split up and there's like hundreds of high school students from all over the county come to be a part of this and they get to spend eight hours 
hours with us and they get to choose two photographers that they get to shadow each for half a day and so like there's a photographer that's doing fashion a photographer that's doing commercial portraits and and i'm doing like health and fitness at you know active shots and uh someone else is doing culinary photos they get to learn like and and be in the environment of these professionals it is an amazing experience but then at the end of it we do this kind of big round table thing where all the photographers sit up on a panel and people ask questions and every year without fail it pisses me off so much every year some some little snot-nosed kid will 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 say well tell me about your biggest pet peeves and and i just i i look and i'm just like guys if these are the questions we're asking we cannot help you mm-hmm. you need to ask better questions i need you to think and if if you're not going to that's fine i'll go because i've been here eight hours i can go home i need you to take this as seriously as we're taking it like if you ask us serious questions we're going to give you serious answers like you should be asking about what it was like struggling at first, how you found your vision, how you developed your style. These are the questions we need to be asking right now. And if you could ask those questions, then you have our attention. But if you're just going to ask us what our biggest pet peeve is, then my answer is people asking me what my biggest pet peeve is. Yeah, I um, kind of feel the same. That's why I started this podcast, because I wanted to talk. I would have great conversations with people. And then I was like, I need to start recording these things mm-hmm. because my biggest thing is people DM me and I don't have like a million followers or anything. But people like to DM me on Instagram and be like, how do I get more followers? What kind of camera should I buy? What I'm like, these are all, you can first of all, Google all these things. I don't have the answers. If yep. I had the answer, I would have a great, amazing camera and a million followers. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I always, you know, want to ask people when I'm interviewing them on the podcast, like, don't tell me about all the great things that you've accomplished because that's apparent by your website. Tell me about like how you got to where you are. Like, tell me the relatable things that everyone else wants to hear secretly about like, what you know, what did you do to get where you are today? Like, what was like mm-hmm. the hardship for that? And I think that sounds dramatic, but that's to me what makes a good conversation or a good like podcast episode or something. And it sounds that you have similar questions <laughs> up well, your sleeve too for people. I think here's what it is. And, and Every, every day or so, someone will message me, call me, text me, DM me with a inquiry. And the inquiry is, here's who I am. Here's a little bit of my background. And then it always ends with, essentially, it's the same thing. Do you think I can make it? Like, whatever it is, here's my idea. Do you think this could work? Do you think this could sell? Um, I, I literally just had this call two nights ago where someone wanted to create a um, an online service. Uh, that I won't I won't get too into it, but it's for health and fitness uh, to to calculate your your macros and create custom meal plans, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come to me with this, and it it it's, it doesn't matter if that's their idea or if someone comes to me and says, "Listen, I'd like to be a photographer. Here's my portfolio." Do you think I can do this? Like, because it's the same question of, do you think I can do this? And the fact that you're going to a third party to seek out validation, to me says you're not in a good place to do it. That's a bad place to be. So you need to believe you can do it because it doesn't matter to me what the idea is. If you have an idea, you are capable of doing that idea without question. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard an idea that someone could not do if they wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wrote about in my book, I'm tired of ideas. 
I don't I don't care about your ideas anymore. I'm 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 overtaxed on ideas because that's all I hear is I have an idea for a podcast. I have an idea for a blog. I have an idea for a portfolio I want to do. I have an idea for this personal project I want to do. I no longer want to hear your ideas. I want to hear about what you're doing to get these ideas done. To make it happen. Right. Exactly. Because you are capable of turning this idea into a reality. What it takes, though, is one to not have a passive posture. A passive posture is I'm going to set up my website or I'm going to put photos up on Instagram and I'm going to wait for people to call me. That's passive. That does not get you work. That does not grow your brand. That does worrying about your Instagram following is passive. That does not get your work in front of people in the way that you would want it to. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember I had some guy reach out to me. This was years ago when, when Twitter was a thing. He wanted to book a project with me and I gave him the rates and he could not afford it. And he says, but I have 2 million Twitter followers. And I said, okay, uh, tell you what, um, get all of them to give you a dollar and I'll take half. You take half. We'll both be millionaires. He didn't like that idea, but they're right there. Like that's the value of your social media following. You do not own your social media following. Like was it two months ago, three months ago, Instagram and Facebook went down for like 17 hours or something like that. Southwest and everyone there was freaking out. All the brands were flipping out because nobody could post about their experiences at these branded events. And it was this whole thing. The world ended. Meanwhile, I sent out emails right. because I still have an email list. Like, I, so Same. I was okay. Like, if if Instagram would wait tomorrow, I'd be fine because I have a list of people I can still connect with. Right. Right. So we do not own our. So don't put value in that. What what matters? And here's here's the thing: is there's no right or wrong answer about what you want to do or the work you want to create or the clients you want to work with. It's not like like if you told me, Jordan, that your goal is you want to make a quarter million a year photographing exclusively social media influencers. That's all you wanted to photograph. You never wanted to photograph another wedding, event, baby shower, what have you. There's nothing wrong with that. That is clarity. That's what you want to do. Okay, now that you know what you want to do, now let's reverse engineer this. Let's work backwards and let's build you a business where you're making a quarter million dollars photographing just influencers to get to where you want to go, shooting the work you want to shoot. That is 1,000% possible because I have a friend who's doing that in L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. Like Because she said, this is where I want to go. And then she says, here I am right now. Between here and there, there's a big chasm. Let's cross this chasm. Let's figure out the steps. Let's break out the benchmarks and the milestones I need to be to get to this. I look at it where when I launched my photo career, when I left my marketing job and I launched my photo career, my first goal was, you know, let me just match my income. If I just match my income, I'll be okay. Well, I did that in five months. Right. Okay. Well, maybe if I doubled my income. Well, I did that by the end of the year. Okay. Well, hmm. Let me think here. What if I shot, oh, I don't know. What if I shot 50 magazine covers in a year? That seems impossible. I'll go for that. Well, I did that. And it's like, oh, all right. Hmm. Okay, so let's focus on something bigger now. Let's focus on a bigger mission, a bigger calling, something. And I realized that we cannot put our perceived success and and our perceived happiness on conditional factors. Because I got to tell you, Jordan, when I, I doubled my income or when I broke six figures or when I broke in multiple six figures or when I shot 50 magazine covers in a year, whatever milestone I set, one, I just moved it before I crossed it. I'm like, oh, I'll just move it further down. But two, I felt the exact same. 
Exact same. Yeah, everyone right? thinks that you're just going to tackle these things and the grass is greener, but like nothing happens. And so you have to find the next thing or else I, you're just stagnant. I talk to entrepreneurs all the time about this, where like that moment they got super rich, where it's like you look at your bank account like, oh, crap, I'm rich. And then like, oh, OK, well, I guess I feel the same. Like it, it's across the board. It's, it is across the board. So so put put your stake in fulfillment. Like, what can you do that would fulfill you? What is the work that would fulfill you? For me, there's work that I absolutely love. I love the health and fitness projects I do. I love the clients I work with. Like, I have so much fun doing the projects I do. And it pays my bills, so I can take other projects. Like, uh, about a month and a half ago, I worked with about a dozen, just over a dozen, Jewish war veterans dating as far back as World War II. And I was not paid for this. This was not something that there's any financial connection to at all. But it was something that I really wanted to be a part of. And and these amazing individuals got to sit down and spend as, as literally as little as like two minutes in front of my camera. But I got to make a picture of them. And that was like one of the most special things I've done in a long time. And I walked away from that event just on the biggest high. I'm like, that right there that's why i became a photographer like that right there that's maybe why i took a job that was good but not great because it afforded me this opportunity that's why i built residual income through some of my other businesses so i can do this so i can be here today because that would have been miserable had i missed this opportunity we'll talk a little bit about your residual income and like the other projects that you have going on because i know as photographers I, maybe not for you, but for me, I have like seasons throughout the year that I'm busy and that I'm not. And mm -hmm. trying to find other things to do to kind of pad that out has been very interesting. So uh, mm -hmm. that's where online mm -hmm. workshops has come in, mm -hmm. doing a little bit of social media posting here and there, running some yep. other social media accounts, um, selling presets, that kind of thing. Talk yep. to me a little bit about what else you do to help kind of fluff your year. Because I don't know how busy you are or aren't throughout the whole year, but I know for me, there's like, I'm like a farmer. <laughs> The way I've arranged my business, and this has been a strategic move over the last, it's been in motion the last three and a half going on four years. Uh, I'm at a point now in my career, I never need to take another photo again to make a living. Oh, I just amazing. do not. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. I still shoot all the time. Don't get me wrong. I love taking photos. And like, like, this weekend, I leave tomorrow uh, from when we're recording this. I leave tomorrow to go up to Bryce and Zion where I'm spending four days just making photos. I don't have a client in mind. I don't there's no it's just a passion driven thing where I want to go make photos. I'm going with a good friend of mine, the person I was shooting that event with. Uh, and we're just going to make photos for days. And I'm, I can't wait. Like I have all my cameras, you know, my, I have my I have my uh, my digital camera. I have my little uh, video camera. I have my medium form format film camera i have my 35 millimeter camera they're all ready to go all loaded up ready to go um but i started realizing years ago that being a photographer did not make me an entrepreneur and, and that that kind of that kind of blew my ego a little bit and the, the what i realized is that the only way i make money as a photographer is when someone hires me to take photos mm -hmm. that's it now there's some I shoot commercial work as well. So like commercial work, maybe a few times a year, I'll get uh, someone renews a commercial license. And it's just like, okay, well, I just got paid again for it's it's mm -hmm. it's not as common as as it's not as common as I need. I would need it to be to rely solely on that. So I'm a freelancer. 
as a photographer, I'm a freelancer. And that was like, okay, well, what happens when I get sick? And there were times right. where I was working so hard I got sick and I couldn't work. Well, I didn't make money that week. Or what if I wanna go on vacation? I'm not making money. And then like I'm, I'm in a serious relationship and what do we do for money when like like my wife when she goes on vacation she gets paid i'm just like oh right, yeah you don't I, I forgot about that and i have to then put money into my retirement and like i don't have a company putting in my 401k i am the company of my 401k mm -hmm. so that really opened my eyes to what could happen next and this once again comes to fulfillment and impact and the thing that was important to me from the start was how do I help others in their journey? Like, what could I do to assist others? Because I've taken some huge leaps in my own life, my own journey. And don't get me wrong, I've fallen a ton. I have messed up a lot, but that's fine. Cause you don't, when the thing is like, we fear that if you mess up, it's over. It's not over. Like you just mess up and then you do something else. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating, like flash forward, like even now, like I run six businesses right now and every now and then, like, I'll look, I'm like, oh, my God, what if this business doesn't work? And then, you know, someone on my, <laughs> yeah, so, well, someone on my team or my wife will look at me and says, well, then you'll just do something else. I'm like, oh, yeah, huh? I guess so. I'll just do something else. And it's such a, it, you only, the, the funny thing about confidence, because I'll hear this, is like, yeah, I wish I had the confidence to, to do this, or I wish I had the confidence to launch my own business, or I wish I had the confidence to just, you know, be a photographer and just, it's like, yeah, you'll never get it until you do it. Mm -hmm. Like confidence never comes beforehand. You're scared out of your wits and you do it anyway. And then the confidence shows up. Mm -hmm. Then the confidence is like, oh, good job. You did it. And you didn't die. Now we're here. And it's, it's like confidence is a hindsight. You never get confidence in foresight. Mm -mm. So you have to act in spite of fear. You have to act in spite of uncertainty. Like I have no idea if this is going to work. I'm going to act anyway and so what i started to do is i started to try to build things that would be of service to my clients so like my my mantra right now is to create art and opportunity art and opportunity those are the two things so there are lots of things that we'll get propositioned with or pitched with that we can add into our business portfolio but i have to look at that does this create art or opportunity for others and if the answer is no we don't pursue it because that's our that's our barometer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for me, it started with like, I started blogging 15 years ago. Blogging was never financially driven. It's, it's a value added mm -hmm. that turned into it's podcasting, as marketing. I said, yep, content marketing. Absolutely. Uh, best advice I'd ever gotten was from a VP I used to work with. He said, you want your brand to grow, do three things, six words, be seen, be heard, be read. You do those three things, you will grow your brand, period. And it to this day, be seen, be heard, be read. Um, so turn the blog into podcasting. We've been podcasting for eight or so years. That turned into ebooks. So now I'm actually selling and now I have a profit coming in where all the work's done upfront and then everything else has just been residual income. I wrote an ebook eight years ago. It's still sell. I don't even have the website up anymore. And every now and then people still buy it. Okay, cool. Um, then that turned into, all right, what about digital courses or digital downloads? That turned into what about a conference where we bring people together, and that's our Fitposium conference, which we do every October for anyone who wants to build a career within the health, fitness, or wellness industry. Now, that's personal trainers, but that's also 
that's also photographers. Mm -hmm. That's also web designers. That's also illustrators who want health and fitness clients. Hey, you'll go to this conference. You'll learn how to build a brand, how to market a brand, and how to profit from a brand in the health and fitness space and be surrounded by three to 400 of your clients in mm -hmm. one room at one time. So we created that event. Then we created a mastermind to help people work through stuff in a connected a very aggressive posture. Uh, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We're creating some webinar series right now. We're working on some new digital downloads. So I, it's interesting because if I were to time the hours, I work as many hours now as I did when I first launched my photo business right out of college, or I guess I was still in college. I'm working as many hours, but I'm getting way more done I have way more time for myself, like way more time for myself. And like I've what, six times the number of businesses I'm running. Mm -hmm. So it is possible to do it. You don't, but the, here's the thing, you don't have to want to do that. You could just want to just take photos and that's it. And if that's it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. There's just clarity of this is what I want to do. For me, I wanted to increase the impact we have on people. So that's why we started to add in all these other facets. So the facets grew. And like I said at the, at the start of this, like I don't need to take another photo again, but I still will because I love it that much. Well, it sounds like you've figured out a way to diversify your outreach and impact and income all at the same time, which I think is the goal that everyone's trying to do. So yeah, because I get asked that a lot where it's just like, oh, you work from home and you do photography. How do you make a living? And I'm like, well, I don't work. <laughs> I don't take photos every single day. Some mm -hmm. weeks I do. Some months I don't have any, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's hard. And so you just have to figure it out. But diversifying the amount of ways that you can reach people and have your brand speak and also make a living off of, I think is always like the goal. We just, we, we were doing a, um, we were doing a inner team training, um, earlier this week of when we're recording where, uh, we've been training our own team, how to improve their sales because the thing there, there is one thing that determines if a business is going to succeed or, or if it's not going to succeed one thing at all. And it's not talent. So this whole thing of I don't have enough talent, mm -mm. I don't have enough creativity. Mm -mm. I've never considered myself that creative of a photographer, but yet I will make more than three of my colleagues combined and in photography. Why? Because I'm going to sell better. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to hustle more. I'm going to leverage other things. There's always a different inroad. For me, one of my greatest inroads was the fact that I was a writer. So I could go to a magazine and say, I, I'll be a photographer. I'll also be a writer. Okay. That was a great inroad for me. The fact that I worked as a photo editor for a while, guess what? I worked as a photo. I know what photos you need mm -hmm. because I was the person sitting in your chair. Okay. So those were my inroads. Everyone has their own inroads. Even if they think they don't, they do. There's an inroad that they can do. And maybe their inroad is they're willing to just hustle a little bit more because persistence will trump talent 100% of the time. And it's all about earning attention, earning relationships. So we talked about like that passive posture of just setting up a social media or setting up an Instagram, just assuming work's going to come in. Nope. Like I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine about how angry we are about the term passive income. That's why I said residual income. Mm. Like I don't believe, I don't believe in passive income. Well, like you I wrote the market. It. It's never just passive. Yes. And like, like, like my book, I wrote 
wrote a book last year um, and it sells and I get royalty checks. But guess what? It took a year of my life to write that book. Mm -hmm. There was nothing passive about that. Mm -hmm. And then then I did a ton of podcast interviews talking about the book and I did a ton of promotions talking about the book. Like, yeah, no, there's nothing passive about it. Take the word passive out of your vocabulary. Be active be proactive versus reactive reactive is i wait for a client to call me proactive is here's a list of a hundred clients i want to be working with i'm going to take time every single day and i'm going to call some of these people and i'm going to earn that relationship and it might not be the first time it might not be the second time it may be the 12th time that i'm finally going to get through but i'm willing to do that work and when i look at it and i look at the number of magazines that i work with it took years to get some of those magazines as clients years like I had one magazine, it didn't take years, but I was doing a marketing campaign with them where every month I'd send them a new postcard of my work. Every single month they got a new postcard of my work. Now, the first month, and I assumed after one or two months I'd hear back. They're like, oh my God, James, you're, how, how have we never heard of you? You're, you're, you're a genius. Your creativity is just breathtaking. <laughs> we, we, we must meet you immediately. Come to New York. Uh, after nine months and nine postcards, I've heard nothing. And I'm, I'm depressed. I'm like, oh, how are they not seeing how amazing I am? And I, I'm just like, God, they must hate my work. Maybe I shouldn't be a photographer because we get in our heads We're like, oh, my gosh. Obviously, they hate my work. Obviously, I'm not good. I'm not good enough to ever get that client. I'll mm -hmm. never get there. Damn it. And you get so self-defeating. And I was uh, looking at one of the Photoware's Instagram accounts, uh, doing some polite stalking. And I, there was a photo of her working at her desk one night. And there was something that was on the wall behind her that was catching my eye. And, and it took me a second to figure out what it was because she had this big open blank wall behind her, except for one little thing right there. And that one little thing was one of my postcards. Tacked to her wall. It's the only thing on her wall. And in fact... It was the only thing on her wall. And in fact, it was the first postcard I sent her nine months ago. So it's been on her wall for almost that long. But I've never heard anything from this person. And that was that light bulb moment. Oh, my God. They're noticing. They're just, they just don't need me right now. And that was that thing. I have to earn this attention. I have to earn this relationship. And it's going to take a while. And eventually they did contact me. And eventually we did start to work together. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes grit. But if this is your goal and this is what you want to work towards, there ain't nothing going to be standing in your way to get there. Wow. You obviously know what you're talking about. That was like an amazingly motivational speaker moment. I felt like I was at a conference and you were on stage. You are really good with your words. <laughs> That's a really cool story about the postcard because I'm the same way. And it can even simply be like we all seek validation from social media. And like if I post mm -hmm. a photo and it flops and I'm just like, man, everyone hates me. I quit. Like this is stupid. And then the next day I'll post like something stupid and it like performs four times better. And, and I'm like, it blows up. Yep. So you just can't predict what the public or what other people are going to do. All you can control is what you put out. You can't control on how it's going to be received. So, yeah, I like that postcard story. That's very cool. It it it. I think that the biggest thing is when you start to people get nervous about sales like, oh, I don't like selling. I hear that a lot. I don't like selling. And my response is always the same. Then you don't know what selling is, because if you don't like selling like Daniel Pink released a great book I'm looking at right now to sell as human like selling is part of the human experience. We sell constantly like when you say I'm not good at selling you literally just made a sale because sold yourself that you're not good at selling 
and you bought it. You bought that right up. And we sell ourselves like like this morning. I was tired. My ankle was swollen. I was not I was not in the mood, but I sold myself to go out on that run. And I went out for that run. And I was like, that was a good sale. I'm glad I did that. Okay. You sell yourself in how you dress. You sell yourself in how you shake a hand. You sell yourself in how you introduce yourself. You sell yourself constantly throughout the day. But when I say I need you to be a salesperson, if I were to say I need you to be a salesperson, Jordan, you're going to think of the used car salesman. Mm -hmm. You're going to think of the telemarketer. You're going to think of the person spamming your email inbox. Icky about it. Yes. Yes. You're going to feel icky about it. You're like, oh, that is who they are. I'm not that person. I cannot be that person. So you you say, hey, I'm not good at selling. Nope. Nope. You just think that's what selling is. That's not selling. That's we all know what that is. That's spam. We And no one wants that. But selling and marketing is about telling your story to an audience who wants to hear it. That's it. Telling your story to an audience who wants to hear it. And if that's all it is, Well, then you're really good at that because you tell your story. You tell your story every time you write a blog. You tell your story when you post on social media. You tell your story when you introduce yourself to someone. Someone says, Jordan, what do you do for a living? You tell your story. That is selling. And if you're able to sell yourself and tell your story in a way that sells who you are, what you do, and why it matters, then you will increase your sales. You absolutely will. But we need to get out of this mindset of, well, I'm not good at selling. And we, we, you know, one of the things we talked about with our team was, listen, on every single call that you make to sell, a sale is made. Every single call, a sale is made. Either you sell them on our service or they sold you on why they're not paying for it. That's it. A sale is made. So who's, who's making the sale? And if you believe in what you're doing, so you know, the listeners of the show, you're, you're photographers, you're artists. If you believe in your work and if you believe your work would benefit your client, their life would be better with your work. Their, their, their career, you know, let's say you're shooting for an influencer. Their career would be better with your work. Their magazine would sell more with your work. Then it's your job to sell it because if you're not selling, like we work with a lot of health and fitness professionals, I ask them, I says, do you believe if I were to hire you as my trainer, as my nutritionist, my life, my health would be better? They said, absolutely. I said, is there any question about this? No. I said, so my life would be better. Yes. I said, then you better sell it to me because if you don't sell it to me, you're affecting my health. My life will not be as good because you didn't sell it to me and that's your fault. Sell this to me. And guess what? They'll figure it out because they'll talk about it. Because when you sell yourself, it's not about the facts or the stats. And no one, no one cares about that crap. They want to know what this is going to do for them. What is your art going to do for them? How is your art going to help them? How is it going to make them feel? How is it going to liven up their life? How, how are they going to thrive? Because they have your art in their life. And when that's a story you're telling, that's not, that's not the sales we think about when we think about sales. Mm-hmm. That's just us telling our story. And what could, be, what could be more important than that? That's genius. I never thought about it that way. Because you're right, sales people and salesmen and whatever like you have this attachment to money and it's icky and it's weird but you're right I do I do notice that sometimes like when I do photography for a small business and then their website looks 10 times better or my photo is on the menu at the restaurant or and I'm like you know what like if I didn't do that that would still look pretty bad (laughs) so I'm glad I did Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that they're you know happy about it so but you don't ever think about those types of things in the moment you kind of see it after the fact so trying to get ahead of the game and think about how you can help a business or a person with your services before 
you know, you go out and do it is is a really flip-flop way of thinking about it. Oop, I just if tap my if the listeners of this show did one thing, like they took one takeaway from, from this interview, it would be make out a list of all the clients you want to be working with. And let's say you can get that list up to, you know, if you're just starting out, maybe that list is 25. Okay. These are the 25 people that I can think of. And it, it should be people like you want to go across like where you're at in your career and clients who need what you want don't go below don't target low-hanging fruit Mm -hmm. because then you're doing yourself a disservice they're not going to pay the rate that you believe don't go too high like you're just starting out don't be calling nike Mm -hmm. uh but find the ones parallel to you maybe it's two dozen maybe like i can i can do uh right now if i were to list out i could probably get 250 if i listed them out okay so then make an hour a day just put in your calendar one hour a day where you're going to call as many of those as you can to start to have a conversation and before you get on those calls all you do is you think about and do it in whatever way you do like i love journaling i love meditating i love i love setting like mental visions of like okay and i literally did this this morning because we have our conference that's coming up and we're selling our conference and i think about this conference being sold out I think about this conversation where I talk to someone and and I'm telling them, I cannot wait to see your success once you attend this conference. You are going to love the results you get. You are going to thrive when you are part of this community because you are going to get the permission that you've been waiting for to finally take that leap and level up, up your career to to an area that you only dreamed about before. I envision that. And then I envision that person saying, Thank you. I'm ready. Yes, I am ready. Okay. And you could do that as a photographer too. You are going to love how these images impact your brand. You are going to just like thrive when people are like commenting on these photos, when you share them and you see the amazing results that we're going to achieve together. Like you're talking to a magazine editor and, and you, you're in, you're in contention for shooting this cover. Like this cover is going to be picked up so much. I am so excited to be working on this project. Like you, you, you just envision this and guess what? You do that enough. You are going to sell period. End of discussion. I would guarantee it to anyone on this, anyone listening to this. If you do that, you take an hour day to call people. You are going to start selling guaranteed. I challenge everyone to do that and myself included. <laughs> I'm bad at pitching and all that. Um, so this was a really good kind of pep talk I needed too. So that's selfishly why I have this podcast is to talk to all these great people yes. and learn myself, right? Because I'm just like anyone else thing. listening. I'm just mm-hmm. providing it for them. Um, well, that has been really, really insightful and inspirational in my opinion. And hopefully if you're not a photographer and you listen, you still took something from that. I'm sure you probably did. But where can everyone find you, your work, your book, your conference, all that jazz? Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to link bomb you right now. All right. So I'll link them all. My, Yep. My website's jamespatrick.com. That has that has most of the work I do. It has my podcast. Uh, my podcast is the Beyond the Image podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. At wherever, wherever you want to get a podcast, you can find Beyond the Image. <laughs> um, and on that show, I interview magazine editors, photo editors, art directors talking about, hey, you want to start getting our attention. Here's what we want to see from you. OK, so it's 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 about taking that step beyond the image. Um, then uh, my conference is Fitposium, F-I-T-P-O-S-I-U-M, Fitposium. It's October 3rd through 6th. It's in Scottsdale, Arizona. I mean, we have 
legendary speakers on this stage. It, it, I don't care what you choose to do for business. Like you could have no connection to fitness at all. You go to this conference, you're going to take away more in these three to four days than you have in the last 10 years about career development, growing a brand, growing your audience, increasing your impact. Like we have like multimillionaire, legendary marketing guru and speaker, Chris Harder's our keynote. We have uh, fitness entrepreneurs, Danny J and Jill Coleman are on the stage. Uh, Billy Pulse and this guy is a genius when it comes to like setting your marketing plans and action items. Uh, it, it like, I, I look at it and it's like, like you with your podcast, like I'm just like, I just wish I could go to every one of these <laughs> sessions as an attendee because there's easily, easily $50,000 worth of coaching at this conference without question for, for not even 1% of the price. Like right. it's, it's, it's an opportunity and, and we bring out magazine editors to be there in person. So you want to get your brand seen and you want to get your work seen by magazine editors. They'll be there in person looking at work, taking one-on-one -on -one meetings the entire weekend. It is an amazing opportunity. So that is fitposium.com, uh, Instagram at fitposium. My Instagram is at jpatrickphoto. And I, I think that I, that might be all, Oh, the book, the book is fit business guide. Um, and that's available on Amazon. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I will definitely link all of those in my show notes um, for anyone who's listening who wants to get in touch with James. But thank you so much for coming on the show and spilling all of your knowledge. Jordan, thank you so much once again for actually doing this show, which really is an advocation for people to do what it is that they absolutely love. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Do What You Want Radio. As always, you can find all the tools and links that are referenced in this week's episode at dowhatyouwantradio.com in the show notes. If listening to this podcast has brought you any value at all, please take a moment to go subscribe, rate, and review Do What You Want Radio so that I can continue to reach creatives just like you and me. Doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of work as well, and I do it all by myself. So I really appreciate those of you who keep listening week after week. You've already dedicated a lot of your time to listening to my voice, talking too fast probably, but if you're not tired of me yet, you can keep up with me, my photography work, and the creative services, products, and workshops I offer at jordanheffler.com and at jordanheffler on Instagram. If you want to be hardcore informed, subscribe to my weekly newsletter to get a free branding worksheet, as well as weekly tips and promotional offers for my digital products and merchandise like Lightroom presets, Instagram overlays, t-shirts, hats, and everything else you didn't know you needed. You can sign up at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Thanks again for tuning in to Do What You Want Radio. I just want to let you know that you're probably doing a great job and you probably deserve a beer. So go get one. See you next week.